Good evening, Fabcasters. This is Arbar with the Drive Time Reflections. I am in day three of my um, work trip, business trip. It's January 10th, which is a historical night in our country because our um, President Obama will give his final address to the nation. I haven't turned on the TV yet in my room, which was the whole goal going on this trip because I wanted to just focus on my my time with with um, with the Lord and what's what's going on in my heart, experience God in the text as I start 2017. But um, you know, I walked by the lobby and then I saw that this thing is go- kicking off, and in a minute, I walked by, saw the national anthem, and then just you know kept kept walking because I want to stay focused. And um, you know, when I got back to the room, skyped with my kids, was able to pray with them as they were going to bed, talk to my wife for a little bit. And uh, then I, then I got into the Word, and so I'm I'm going through right now, and starting off the year going chronologically through the Bible. So I started off in Genesis, and the app will take me next to the Book of Job. So the Book of Job is where I'm at, and that's where I'm reflecting and experiencing God in the text. But there was something that I listened to tonight as I'm listening to Job. And it was just really uh, troublesome, for for lack of a better word. No, it, it was it was troublesome. It's Job sixteen verse eleven. He's saying that God gives him up to the ungodly and and cast me into the hands of the wicked. Twelve. I was at ease and he broke me apart. He seized me by the neck and dashed me into pieces. He has set me up as his target. His archers surround me. He slashes open my kidneys and does not. Spare, he pours out my gall on the ground. He breaks me with breach upon breach. He runs upon me like a warrior. I have sewed sackcloth upon my skin, and I have laid my strength in the dust. My face is red with weeping. On my eyelids is deep darkness, although there is no violence in my hands, and my prayer is pure. So what I'm hearing there, and that's, an, that's another thing I was um, struggling with was Job is called a, a righteous and blameless man here in this book, and even by his own testimony here in his prayer, uh, there's no violence in his hands, and his prayers are pure. And so why is this happening to him? And in the beginning of the book, Satan is before God and all the angels as they present themselves to him, and they're having this this interesting dialogue. Like, there's a there's a dialogue. Like, hey, where, where have you been? Ah, uh, you know, roaming to and fro the earth, and well, have you considered my servant Job? And there's this—I'm trying to imagine this in my mind's eye—of what's going on here. And so, the week before this week, my good buddy, who who I do life with, his name is Bill, sends me um an article on Desiring God about uh, God's sovereign sway over Satan. It's about the fall of Satan and the victory. Of Christ, and in this article, it's just—it's radically um, has radically changed my mind on the sovereignty of God. I mean, I'm—I've already believed that God is all sovereign. I've actually never had a problem with that. But then there was a phase in my life where I delved into theology, where where I believed that I chose God. Now I think it's clear my my view of God is so high, as high as it can be for my finite mind. And for a transcendent God to make sense to a finite mind, I'm trying to wrap my mind around that. But I got no problem with, with God being all sovereign and doing 
whatever he wants, whatever is consistent with his, with his character from my puny perspective. But some verses in this article that I'd read about the sovereignty of God, it, it, it highlighted that although Satan is called the ruler of this world in, in John 12, 31, well, there's another book in the Old Testament in Daniel chapter 4, verse 17, where it says the Most High is ruler over the realm of mankind and bestows it on whom he wishes. And then Psalm 33.10 says, The Lord nullifies the counsel of the nations, and he frustrates the plans of the people. The counsel of the Lord stands forever, and the plans of his heart from generation to generation. So, in that sense, yes, Satan's the ruler of the world, but ultimately God controls history. Jesus Christ controls history. I've believed that phrase for a long time. Jesus Christ controls history. It doesn't matter who's in office. So, reflecting on this historical tonight, the, the president's last address, and then this this sort of anxiety that's going through the nation's right now, like, oh my gosh, who's the next president? And there's a, the other side, it's like, yeah, this is, yeah, the next president. So one side sees that their savior is, is in their political party or in a particular person, and the other side is, oh my gosh, uh, our savior didn't get elected. And they wouldn't call their electee their, their, their savior, but if our actions are reflecting that, what's the difference? So going back to the sovereignty of God in the Bible the unclean spirits the demons are everywhere and doing deceptive and, and evil things and the Bible even says that Jesus Christ has authority over those demons in Mark chapter 127 it says that he commands even the unclean spirits and they obey him Jesus Christ doesn't only control history and where history is going and regardless of evil rulers he's still in control but when Christ commands the, the devil and his minions, guess what they do? They have to obey. I mean, and I'm just thinking about this, like, like how much sovereignty and how much power and authority that Jesus Christ has over all of mankind, over all creation, and the demons, and Satan. So I'm, I'm now I'm thinking, what, well, what can he do that... God doesn't know about and doesn't let him do. Well, the, the conclusion is, well, nothing. So going back to this article, it says that Satan is a roaring lion, prowling to see who he can devour. But Peter says in that same book, resist him, firm in your faith, knowing that the same experiences of suffering are being accomplished by your brethren who are in the world. 1 Peter 5, 8 through 9. In other words, suffering is the way that Satan is trying to devour saints, devour Christians. But Peter says it's better if God should will it so that you suffer for doing what is right rather than for doing what is wrong. So that goes back to God's sovereignty. The suffering, the, the Satan trying to prowl, pounce on saints like a roaring lion, hungry lion, these jaws of the enemy are open and closed only according to God's will. That, so that just, reading that just blows my mind. Like if, if Satan wanted to pounce on a saint and God says, okay, yeah, yeah, you can, you can go ahead and do that, then he does it. So 
what's going on there? Um, Satan is a murderer from the beginning, and Jesus said this in John eight forty four. But he has taken the gift of life out of the hand of the giver. That was a question there. But has he taken the gift of life out of the hand of the giver? No. Um, and I'm thinking about this, like, like, so all the activity that that Satan and is the devil, or Satan or the devil and and his demons are doing is only simply be because God allows it? I mean, has the sovereignty thing gotten out of hand? Is, don't, don't these angels and demons have quote-unquote free will and that's why they chose to disobey? That's why they got kicked out of heaven because they used their free will in, in an in a evil and wicked way? Well, according to these verses, um, he allowed them to. Because he very much could have commanded them, and they would have obeyed. So even my view of that, of, of of Satan getting kicked out of heaven because, and choosing evil because of his free will, I, I'm questioning it now. Because of the sovereignty of God and, and the doctrine of the sovereignty of God. So now going back to my devotional, um, my my day to day devotional, where I'm experiencing God and chronologically right now in the book of Job. Um, when Satan, when, when Satan aims to destroy Job, and prove that that um, that Job will will curse God, and um, I have to realize that Satan actually actually has to get permission from God to do it, so he doesn't get to do any of the attacks without God ordaining it. And in the passage that I read tonight, Job is well aware of God's doing it, so he confirms. The authority that Jesus says he has, and it confirms what the what the book says that Satan would like to sift through people and he'd like to pounce on people and would like to devour people and well he can't do it unless God permits it. And then perhaps one of the most evil uh, traitor acts in all of history is when Peter, the great Peter. Saint Peter uh, betrayed Christ. Now, if, if Satan is the great tempter and he's, he's tempting uh, Saint Peter to do this, could he tempt him without permission from God? Well, that's that's what we're learning, isn't it? That he couldn't even tempt Peter to betray Christ, to deny his Lord and his Savior three times, and actually curse in the midst of that. Satan couldn't do that without the permission of God. And that just that that is just blowing my mind. I mean my my, my my heart is changing on this issue and it's because of the scriptures. And even this exchange between Jesus and Peter, it's pretty interesting. In Luke chapter twenty two, thirty one through thirty two, uh, Jesus says, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan has demanded to sift you like wheat. But I've prayed for you that your faith may might not fail, and you, once you have turned again, strengthen your brothers. I mean, in the authority of Christ, couldn't he have said, uh, "No, Satan, leave him alone"? So, and why? Why would he? Why would? Why would the Lord say, "Yeah, go ahead, yeah, have at it"? Oh yeah, yeah, Job, yeah, go have at it. Strike down his kids, take his house, take his flock, take his crops, take take everything. 
Why does he allow that? And and I'm thinking, it goes back to to the video I did um, uh, last year about the sufficiency of grace in the midst of life's problems. What 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 if this life was never meant to be easy? And all this talk and all these books and all these things about hey your life can get easier if you do this. You're gonna look better if you eat this. You're if you wear this and and it's a lot of these quick fix um, solutions that that want to make our life easier so there's this unsatiable desire and this goal to reach for things to attain things so that my life is not as hard as as it is right now because I want it to be easier than it is right now I think it's harder than it should be and, and that's what's drawing a lot of people, in my opinion, to to go for the life of comfort and for to to worship the God of comfort. And when when they feel uncomfortable, it's it's this: how do I get out of this situation? Rather than getting in touch with what's really going on, and maybe what's really going on is, look, I just I just want you to know how much you need me. And if God is about God wouldn't this be all consistent with his character that God exists for God he exists for his glory of his own name so it wouldn't matter what's going on and even if in my in my finite mind I said well that doesn't make sense God that that uh that's not fair look does does the clay get to tell the potter what's what he gets to look like no and 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 by definition transcendence means that God is not limited to what I'm capable of understanding so I don't see what the big deal is I mean I've, I've never really seen what the big deal is I've, I've always been okay with God being fully sovereign except for that short little stint where I believe it, it wasn't fair and then I believe that man could choose but now I just I find it hard to believe that a finite person that only exists for a, for a vapor on this earth and I'm like a I'm like a speck of sand in all the oceans in the world is as far as how long I will be here um, on earth and, and how how big my life is in, in view of all of eternity um, I have a really hard time thinking that um, oh, I just lost my train of thought that that uh, it needs to make sense to me <laughs> that's that someone as big as God needs to fit into my little box of what's fair and what's not fair and can he do what he wants to do so lastly there's this verse 2nd Corinthians 4 4 it says this that the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelievers okay so that's Satan doing something right that the God of this world is 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 the devil it's Satan so he has blinded the minds of the unbelievers but here's the thing, if, if Jesus Christ controls history and Jesus Christ controls Satan and his demons, who gave him the authority to do that? Can't God stop that? Well, yeah, he's sovereign. So why didn't he stop it? Why did he permit it? Well, that's none of my business, but he did it. So we fast forward a couple of verses, God said, let the light shine out of darkness. 
has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. In other words, the blinding effect of Satan gives way to God's light when he says, let there be light. So, um, it would make sense that God would allow things to happen in my life that remind me and serve as a reminder of how much I need him. And things that would bring me to my knees so that my eyes could look back up. That makes perfect sense. Because I don't know about you guys, but for me, it only takes but a second for my heart to wander. My heart is prone to wander. Um, so I'm thankful for all the reminders. I'm thankful with this constant draw to sin in that when when I feel these pulls, when I feel the weight of my sin, when I when I'm constantly reminded of my past and who I used to be, it sends me into thanksgiving to say thanks, thanks God, like I, I'm realizing once more how much I need you. Even the temptation in this hotel by myself, I'm staring at this blank TV and I'm saying like, what's the big deal, man? Like I just. I just want to relax, and, and even that pull, it's like, oh, right, right, I know. <laughs> this is cool. I've realized what, the condition of my heart, how prone I am to wander, how prone it is to wander, and, and this just reminds me of what I should be doing. I should be, I should be in a constant renovation state of my heart, like constantly renovating my heart so when I get home, I'm ready to love, I'm ready to, I'm ready to let the love of God flow through me in the gospel throw flow through my house but uh that's enough that's enough preaching for tonight folks i appreciate you so much listening um to me as as i'm just reading these texts and and letting it process through my soul um letting you a little, a little bit into my life seeing the things that i struggle with on a daily basis um and seeing the thought processes and i hope I hope it's the same for you. You see how much every day you're in need of the Savior. And when you're tempted to say, man, I wish my life was a little bit easier, I'm a little bit more free of things that would remind me of how much I need God, I pray that you would just nip that, nip that, uh, confess that to the people you're doing community with, and, and press on. So I love you guys so much. Thank you for being a part of our lives. And uh, I'll talk to you guys next time. Love you. Bye.